You're listening to episode 11 of Speaking with Deacon, putting on the armor of God. Speaking with Deacon is a production of the Perusia Podcast Network in partnership with Voice of Charity Australia and EWTN Asia Pacific. Join us as we discuss strategies that will empower us to announce the gospel of the Lord daily through our words and deeds. This is Speaking with Deacon. Joining us once again on Speaking with Deacon, my name is Mark Griffin, and it wouldn't be Speaking with Deacon without a deacon to be speaking with, Deacon Harold Burke-Sivers. How are you today? I'm doing well, Marcus. Always great to see you and, uh, and be with you. Yeah, good to be with you once again as well. Today, we're going to be speaking on something a little bit different to, to what we've been talking on in previous episodes. We're going to be speaking today about how to be prepared for spiritual combat. Now, we're all very aware of the the unrest and, and the conflict in the world. And and whilst that that's bombarded in the news, we get bombarded by that like round the clock, are we paying enough attention to the spiritual dangers and threats that are out there? Um, we're not a chance of, of, of winning a spiritual battle if we're not aware of the battle in front of us, if we're not able to identify and understand the enemy. So before we get into the actual armour of God that we speak of, Deacon, can you please present or paint a bit of a picture of spiritual battle in the world today and how this battle is raging around us and, and how we actually pay attention to this and identify what we're up against? Yeah, well, what we're up against, Mark, is quite simply Satan, right? The devil and, and his whole goal, even from the Garden of Eden in Genesis chapter three, was to destroy covenant relationship with God, to literally kill the life of God in us. That's Satan's goal. It was his goal from day one. And that is the same goal now to separate us from God's love. Now, um, that is taking so many different forms in our culture today. Uh, for example, um, the, the temptation to use our bodies as objects and not to recognize them, as St. Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19, as temples of the Holy Spirit. So we have pornography and contraception and abortion and the uh, excessive use of alcohol and, and narcotics, um, excessive tattooing, where like every part of your body is covered with tattoos and piercings and, and all those kinds of things. You know, I, I think people sometimes do those things to find meaning in their life. Uh, but I think Satan also uses that, again, when, when it's excessive, to actually separate us from God's love. Why? Because, remember, we are our own God, right? Uh, the other thing is, is especially coming out of the pandemic and, there's, and with war in the Ukraine and, and, some, and natural disasters, so many things going on in the world, it causes us to lose hope, it causes us to lose hope. And that is dangerous, right? That is definitely part of the spiritual battle because our hope rests in what? Rests in Christ, rests in the church that, that he founded and that he left us, the Catholic church. And when we get, when we succumb to so many of those out, outside forces, those outside elements, it, and if we don't uh, temper that with prayer and, and fasting, 
and adoration and and uh and receiving the Eucharist regularly in the holy sacrifice of the mass and the sacrament of reconciliation. If we don't do those things, cooperate with the grace that God has given us, then those outside forces can overwhelm us and we begin to lose hope. That's another piece of it. Another piece of it is especially with our young people, there's a serious disconnect between their faith and their everyday lived experience. And I actually, Mark, had a, a, a good, uh, an, a, an interesting experience of, uh, of this when I was in the last time I was in Sydney. If you remember, I gave a talk to middle school kids from the Archdiocese of Sydney because some kind of middle school rally yeah. or something, and and I gave a talk there. And during that talk, I I said to the to the uh, to the seventh and eighth graders that you have no idea how much God loves you. That I'm noticing in the culture that young people, when I talk to them, they have no idea truly how much God loves them. And a priest met me after that talk. And he said, let me drive home the point you just made. And he, and he began to tell me he was first ordained. He was assigned at a school. And as an experiment one day, he put on the board, God loves me and God doesn't love me. Uh, and asked the students to stand under the statement that best represented what they believed. He said, none of the students stood under the statement that God loves me. A handful wow. of the students stood under the statement that said, God doesn't love me. But most of the students just sat at their desks because they weren't sure. Wow. How could they not be sure of how much God loves them? See, there's there's a disconnect there. So 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 all of this uh, are, are, is, is part of the spiritual warfare. This is the battle that we're fighting against the forces of evil that are trying to separate us from God's love and God's life. And that's why we have spiritual warfare. Now, some people don't like that language warfare because war is a bad thing and war kills people. And, you know, you got to understand we're, we're up against an enemy that's trying to destroy God's life in us to separate us from God's love. So we have to fight. Mm -hmm. We have to put, as, as we're going to talk about, put on the armor of God and we have weapons that we can use uh, against these forces of evil, which we're going to talk about uh, as we yeah. continue the, the discussion. Even in what you've just said there, Deacon, I'm realizing that my introduction that I just gave to this topic was a little bit off. I said we're talking about something a little bit different. And whilst we are taking a different angle, on a lot of the discussions we've had so far as we've recorded these episodes, we started in Genesis on various different topics, we're actually going back to Genesis and seeing on whatever the topic has been, the roots of what God intended, where it went wrong, how we have to fix it. It all goes back to that point. So whilst, yes, we're, we're taking a very different approach today to what we've done so far, it kind of still is related, isn't it? Oh, absolutely. Because the, the, the first two chapters of Genesis lay the foundation for the type of relationship that God wanted with us. Remember, Mark, there was not supposed to be concupiscence. There was not supposed to be death. You know, uh, there wasn't supposed to be any of that. Uh, that came into, into being when our first parents chose themselves over God, when they chose their wills over God's will. Again, after being tempted by, by Satan. Uh, and, and like I said, he's using the same uh, playbook that he used back then he's using today, but we have to be, that's why it's so important that we do everything we can to stay connected to our faith. The more connected we are to the, the reality of God's love, the more we become vehicles of God's divine mercy, 
the the more that we that we pray, the more that we cooperate with the grace of the sacraments, the more ready we're going to be and, and, and the more prepared we will be to stand up against the forces of of the, uh, of evil, the devil and Satan. Um, you know, Jesus talks more about the devil in the gospels than he talks about heaven. I don't think I don't think people realize that. It's just simple. Do a simple word count. He talks about hell more than he talks about heaven. Why? Because he doesn't want us to go there. He knows what we're up against. Um, remember, he was tempted himself by the devil before he started his public ministry. So if Jesus Christ, the son of the living God, is going to be tempted by the devil, don't you think that we are too? And we have to fight. Jesus did his battle on the cross, right? We have to do our battle Every single day, roll up our sleeves, not run from the world. We have to be part. We have to enter into the world, but we cannot allow the the hardships of the world to overwhelm us. Yeah. And we all have to pick up our cross and, and follow his example. Ultimately, um, exactly. it's very it's very easy to see um, the impact and, and the just the um, the existence of military style warfare and that battle that's raging around us it, it, it's it's so easy to identify that as i said we, we're bombarded with all of this in the news it's a lot harder to identify the spiritual battle and i think a lot of that is because a lot of the time the spiritual battle um what satan does is he tries to present something to us that's appealing there's nothing appealing to normal people about military warfare there's nothing appealing or, or saying that's something we should be striving for but I think a lot of the time in, in the spiritual battle, Satan is battling us with things that were created to be good and all he's doing is twisting them. So it's not like it's it's something that's there and we can see from the start, this is a bad thing, let's steer clear of that. The temptation is we're tempted with good things and just slightly twisting it, aren't we? It's, 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 it's a very different style of battle. Oh, very much so. And, and you're absolutely right. Satan takes things that God gave us that were good, that were true, and that were beautiful, and twists and distorts and perverts them, right? So that the meaning is lost, or we begin to give it our own meaning, or we allow the culture to shape meaning for us. But the, the language that they use today, Mark, is um, a cultural con a cultural construct, right? Where, where the, the culture is shaping what we think, how we act, how we believe, not an objective set of spiritual norms given to us by, by God himself, like in the Ten Commandments, for example, right? Mm -hmm. Those are, that's the articulation of the natural moral law, which is do good and avoid evil. So the social construct says, no, that doesn't shape you. Your politics shapes you. Your sexual identity shapes you. You know, uh, what, what your career is shapes you. No, no, Th that's what gets you lost. And, and if we if we focus too much on those external things, those things which in the end ultimately really don't matter, um, and we lose our, our focus on our ultimate goal, which is life with God forever in heaven, then that's when it become a danger. Like, for example, uh, in, in Genesis chapter 1, verse 28, it says, And God blessed them, uh, Adam and Eve, and he said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. So fruitful is Ephrata in Aramaic or para in Hebrew. So it literally means to be open, right? Like, like it's, it, they use that word, like when a, in the spring, when a plant 
opens up in flowers. Mm -hmm. th that's the word that's used here. So literally, if you read it in Hebrew, God said to them, be open and multiply. In other words, be open to life. Right. Mm -hmm. So so he's telling them to have sex here. I mean, you know, he, he's he's saying this is a good thing. Why? Because they're engaging in an act which allows them to participate in God's ability to give new life. They're seeing each other the way God sees them. They're experiencing the power of, of the intimacy of God's love. You know, that's a beautiful thing. There's nothing wrong with that. But what happens is, and notice the first thing after the sin, they knew, they then the eyes of both were opened. This is Genesis chapter 3, verse 7. And they knew they were naked. So the first thing they notice is that, Look at your body, right? You're now you're an you're an object. You're you're you know I've lost this vision of seeing you the way God sees you. Now I see you as as an object for pleasure, gratification, manipulation, and that's how we get pornography and human trafficking and prostitution and contraception and all these things that that violate the dignity of the human person um, and go against. The, the way God created us and our bodies to beautifully complement each other because it's a participation in God's own life in the Trinity. Yeah. And when we and when we separate ourselves from that, then we're there we're left to the to the qualms of the culture. Absolutely. Um there so that's that's one thing. Obviously when when you talk about twisting something that God created to be good and, and twisting it to something that's disordered and and, and basically, it, it's something different now. That that's obviously the first one that comes to mind. I think it's even more subtle. That that's a very in, in the culture today. That that issue is very there, out there, and in our face. And I think there are even more subtle examples of this, though. And and I'd even go so far as to say, even what we're doing now, we're recording a podcast to put out there into a world of content, Catholic content, and other content. Even someone sitting down watching this podcast, this might not be a good thing for them if they've already spent the last 12 hours binging on their, their weekly podcast schedule. Like it's, it's not something that's um, in and of itself bad to sit down and listen to Catholic discussion. But if you're binging on it, it's actually a bad thing. And so even something as subtle as that, this is part of the battle, isn't it? Oh, absolutely. Because there are many good things um, that we participate in. But but again, it's, it's a matter of emphasis. So, for example, for example, um, parents who take their their children to uh, football, right, mm -hmm. uh, soccer or uh, yeah, what, what we call soccer, you call football, right? Or rugby. We call it soccer too. Or, oh, you call it soccer too? Okay. Or cricket or something like that. No, those those sporting things, basketball, all those things are wonderful. But when you say, you know, yeah, let, you know, I'm going to drive them to the game instead of going to mass this week. Okay? Mm -hmm. Now, having your children participate in sports is a good thing, but when the sports overshadow the 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 spiritual dimension of the family life that could be a problem same thing with the pandemic right so uh we were told you know so so many people were going to church and and you know in the united states we had the issue that 69% of people didn't believe that jesus was present in the eucharist this was before the pandemic so that means a lot of people were just showing up because they felt well we just go to mass that's what we do but then during the pandemic they were told we don't have to go to mass 
So now after the pandemic, they're trying to get people to come back to mass. And you got to understand the mindset of the people here, Mark. They're saying, wait a minute. I I thought I had to go to mass before because that was really important. Even though I really didn't believe Jesus was, might be present in the Eucharist, but I, I still went to mass. Then you told me I don't have to go to mass for a year. And now you're telling me I have to go back to mass again. Yeah, good luck trying to get those people to come back, right? I mean, they had very little faith to begin with. Exactly. You know, again, so so how do we have those people understand what God is doing for them in the holy sacrifice of the mass the, to make those deeper, stronger connections? So we do, yeah, we, we don't give up the sports or those other good things, but we have to order them in such a way that our main priority is always focused on God and God's will for us while still taking part and enjoying the things that the, the good things that life offers us. But and again, what lessons are we teaching our children when those extracurriculars, um, you know, uh, take the place of the worship of God? So yeah. we, we stop praying at home, right? Uh -huh. We stop praying as a family. We stop going to mass. Uh, in, in the place of these other things. So the, the kids are going to say, well, gosh, if it's not important to my parents, it's not important to me. And so the faith just becomes an intellectual exercise. It just becomes something that they have to do and it doesn't become a part of who they are. And that's where the battle lies. Okay, so we've outlined a little bit of, of the battle and, and what we're up against. Now, St. Paul in his letter to the Ephesians presents a picture of like a physical armor that we can be using when engaging in physical combat. And then he applies this physical armor and a spiritual dimension to each, each item of the armor. So I'm going to go and read through this particular passage now. It's Ephesians uh, chapter 6, verses 10 to 18. So I'll quickly read through that. And I'm, I'm following along in my Bible. So follow along in your Bible. And um, <laughs> everyone else, follow along at home. <laughs> but what right. we're going to do, we're going to read through it. And then we're going to go and pick out each piece of the armor and then talk about the spiritual dimension that, that Paul has attributed to each piece of armor as well. So, so this is the passage. So Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 to 18. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we are not contending against flesh and blood, but against the principalities, against the powers, against the world rulers of this present darkness, against the spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and, having done all, to stand. Stand, therefore, having girded your loins with truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness and having shod your feet with the equipment of the gospel of peace. Besides all these, taking the shield of faith with which you can quench all the flaming darts of the evil one, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Pray at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. So as I mentioned in that passage, Paul has used the example of physical pieces of armor and there's a spiritual aspect to each one that he's used so deacon let's step through these one by one the first one he mentions is 
the belt of truth. Now, the belt, you know, it, it, it holds everything in place. What What's the spiritual dimension to this belt of truth that St. Paul talks about? Yeah, the, in, in the Greek, he, he actually says um, it, to gird your loins, mm -hmm. which was an expression that was used to prepare for battle. So um, this this was very interesting here with this girding girding of the loins. So we, we hear this expression in the Gospels from time to time. Uh, and, and so remember, they wore those long tunics. Mm -hmm. And so when you prepared for battle, uh, you had to uh, you would you would have to sink up the tunic because you would trip over it and fall while you're trying to fight. And so they would they would pull the excess of the they would pull up the tunic up to their waist, pull the excess tunic between their legs and cinch it around their waist and tie it around their waist. And now the tunic would be secure. And now they're ready for battle. That's called girding your loins. Now, what's interesting is that was typically meant for, of course, men back mm -hmm. at that time. What's interesting in the book of Proverbs, chapter 31, the last chapter of the book of Proverbs, uh, uh, Solomon says, she girds her loins, right? <laughs> she girds her loins. So he talks about uh, uh, the woman uh, girding her loins, preparing for battle. And, and, and he says, he, he girds, she girds her loins and make her makes her arms strong. And that goes back again, Mark, to Genesis, where, where he says, I will make a helper fit for him, a Zeta Connecto, a battle partner. Yes. So they, so men and women are girding their loins. Now, remember, why does uh, Paul even use this Roman soldier's army? Remember, Paul was a Roman citizen, mm -hmm. right? That's why he was not crucified. Like like Jesus or like Paul or some of the other apostles that that met a death by martyrdom, many of them were crucified. In fact, uh, Peter was crucified upside down, but Paul was not crucified, even though he committed the same crimes as the other apostles, because he was a Roman citizen. That's why he was beheaded and not and not uh, crucified. So, but see, he was very familiar with the Romans' soldiers' uniform. And so recognizing the spiritual battle, which he outlines in the first verses that you read there against the principalities and the powers against the world rulers and the present darkness, that I mean he could be he could be speaking about right now. Yeah. I mean, in other words, in, in Corinthians, no, Philippians, he talks about the crooked and depraved generation. Mm -hmm. He was talking 2000 years ago, but he could also be talking about our culture today. Yeah. And that's his yeah. point. That we have to be ready. So, so he it's brilliant actually. He so he takes this Roman soldier's uniform, which everybody would be used to seeing. If you mm -hmm. see all those movies about Jesus, uh, you see the Roman soldiers. They're dressed in their uniform. So this is what the uniform looked like. So he takes the pieces of the uniform and applies a spiritual, uh, a, a spiritual um, tenet to it, right? A spiritual attribute, a spiritual virtue. So the gird the loins. So. Girding your loins means you have to you 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 get you prepare yourself for battle. So the way that we have to prepare ourselves for battle is making sure that we're aligning ourselves with the will of God, that our will and God's will are in perfect communion. Um, recognizing the fact that you know here's the battle. Well, I'm a good person. Who says I need a church? Who says I need a Catholic faith? You know, I all I have to do is just be good and, and, and I'll be fine. I'll get to heaven. I, I mean, atheists can be good. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, you know, that, that it's not enough. And Jesus is very clear about this, but that could be 
part of the temptation. So we have to prepare ourselves to get our minds and our hearts ready for battle. And the mm -hmm. first thing you have to do is gird your loins, right? And the belt, okay, even if you do the the uh, the uh, translation that you read about the belt of truth, the thing, was the belt do? It helps hold up your uniform. It helps hold things together. You know, so it has to be the glue that kind of binds things because a belt also binds. It binds things together. And so the key here to the to the, the belt of truth or girding your loins is the preparation of our minds and our hearts for the battle that is to come. And knowing, though, that God is with us the entire time, that sure. God has given us everything that we need. So I would say how we can exercise this is to uh, is by prayer is really by praying together um, as, as a family, as spouses, our individual prayer, because in, in my marriage, for example, I have my own individual prayer that I do, which is of course the liturgy of the hours in the off and in the uh, uh, rosary and the chaplet of divine mercy, which I spread those throughout the day, you know, and, but my wife is very different in her prayer. She doesn't like formal structured prayer, but so our prayer styles individually are very different. But we also have to find time to pray together. Uh -huh. You know, it's extremely important. Why? Because the two are one flesh. Uh, and even if, you, if you're not married, an individual in your individual life as a person, you can get sucked in by television and by, as you mentioned, Mark, uh, YouTube, yes. right? And watching all your videos and your podcasts and all of that. You get so wrapped up in that, that you say, oh, I'll just, I'll just pray tomorrow. Oh, mm -hmm. I'll just pray in my car on the way to work. I'll just do, and then when you listen to something else in your car, everything yeah. takes precedence over your your life of prayer. And uh, but girding your loins helps us prepare us for spiritual battle by connecting us more deeply with our prayer life. And and the example you used about the atheist of oh, just being a good person. Well, the whole point of this particular item of armor is St. Paul says, gird yourself with the truth. That is. There's only one truth. Truth isn't relative. And that, that's that's a whole nother discussion we can go down. But but the atheist, from the start, they're underprepared for this spiritual battle because they don't have this truth. And so so that's the first one anyhow. So to be girded with the belt of truth. Uh, then we move on to the, the breastplate of righteousness. Now, obviously, the breastplate covers our heart and, you know, it's shielding, shielding vital organs. So the application of righteousness to the breastplate. What does that mean for us, Deacon? Yeah, and I love what you said there, Mark, about it protects the heart. Um, because we, we saw in First uh, Samuel uh, chapter 6 there, um, when the first appearance of David, uh, that when Samuel went to anoint the new king of Israel, that it wasn't one of David's seven brothers, but it was him. And the Lord told Samuel, uh, don't look at his outward appearance. You know, the Lord looks mm -hmm. on the heart. heart. Yep. So the heart for the Israelites just wasn't an organ that pumps blood through the body. The heart was called the seat of the will. It was a place where your desire for God lives inside of you, right? Because that's where God could touch you and change your life is in your heart. And so the breastplate protects that heart, right? It protects your intimacy with God. And the way that we can do that is through the sacrament of reconciliation, you know, <laughs> because we realize that, you know what? We make mistakes, sometimes really big, scary, and messy mistakes. And the Lord has given us a way through the sacrament of reconciliation to recognize our sinfulness, acknowledge that we're wrong, 
at, at own up to it and and say you know what i want to work a, a, a with the lord i want to cooperate more deeply with his love and with the grace that he's given me in the sacraments you know and, and we're asking god's help and when we ask for god's help that's the 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 heart that that protects the heart so for example mark you know women are the most beautiful creatures that god has ever created i mean <laughs> they're beautiful and you know and, and as i mentioned before we uh, started recording, I go to a gym. And uh, even I go very early in the morning, I go at uh, just, uh, you know, after 6am, I get up and pray for an hour at five to six and I, I head to the gym for an hour. And there's some women there. And they're women that are wearing very tight clothes. And obviously, they're in the gym, a lot of them are in very good shape. And so there's a temptation to look, wow, but look at her, she's like amazing and beautiful. Um, but fortunately, at least in my case, you know, I've had enough of uh, the armor, right? I, I've I've asked God to cooperate enough with his grace. I mean, I could be tempted. I, I mean, I'm a man, right? I think women are beautiful. I could be tempted. But I always want to make sure that when I look at a, a woman, because I think all women are beautiful, um, that I'm seeing them the way God sees them. Mm -hmm. I'm looking at them through God's eyes. And so I have to protect my heart. So my heart doesn't succumb to the, the the temptations of of seeing a woman just for her physical attributes and not looking at her through God's eyes. And so we have to protect our hearts against things like pornography, against um, all kinds of sins against the body, you know. Because sure. uh, yeah, and and even you know, th so that I think that's absolutely critical that we have to protect our hearts. Um, and I think one of the key ways is is utilizing the sacrament of reconciliation. Beautiful. Um, so that's the breastplate of righteousness. We move then on to item number three. Uh, so the shoes of the gospel of peace. And so Paul says, having shod your feet with the shod your feet with the equipment of the gospel of peace. There within that passage. So what is this footwear? The shoes of the gospel of peace. And what does that mean? Yeah. So um, in any kind of uh, uni uniform, there's usually typically shoes that go with it. So we, we, we're walking along the way of peace, right? Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you, our Lord says in John's gospel, not as the world gives, do I give it to you. So we are to, when we're following Jesus, we're walking in the way of peace. We're walking the way of deeper understanding. We're walking in the way of the gifts of the Holy Spirit, you know? Uh, and so we have to, again, we protect our feet. We protect the peace that God has given us in our hearts. Because as we mentioned in, in, the, in the beginning of the of today's podcast, Mark, that the, the world can cause us to lose our hope and lose our peace, right? With the, um, I mean, oh my goodness, with the pandemic, so many people were scared. They mm -hmm. lost their peace. They they put their trust in masks and in, in all these things instead of putting their trust fully in the Lord. Mm -hmm. Right. So so I, I there's a temptation there that you know this this is going to protect me when all of them was going to protect me is a deep intimate relationship with Jesus Christ. So we have to protect our peace. And the way we protect our peace is for I believe this strongly is Eucharistic adoration. Getting away from the world. Turn off the television. Turn off the the internet. I mean, I'm not. I'm hardly on social media anymore, Mark. 
Literally. I mean, I, well, I have somebody that does that for me, right? I have a team of people that I work with and one of them does my social media for me. So I'm rarely on any of the social media. I rarely, if ever watch television. I mean, for, for me, life is short. We have a, a finite amount of time that God has given to each and every one of us. We, we don't know how much time that is. So I want to utilize whatever time I have to glorify God. And, and so to protect the peace that God has given me, I have to, to break away from the world and find time for peace and quiet, right? That's the expression we use, peace and quiet. For me, that's adoration because that's where you, you create an atmosphere where you listen to God's voice and you allow his voice to change your life. That and, and adoration is the key. I'm convinced is the absolute key to finding true peace in our in our troubled and broken world today. Adoration is just one of those things that as Catholics, once we start going to adoration more often, we I suppose for me personally now I'm speaking, you wonder how did I do without this before? <laughs> this is something that it's essential to my week. It's essential to just having that connection with the Lord. And uh, yeah, I, it's something that my family came to most recently um, where, when we moved to where we are now. And before that, it was something we knew was good, but we didn't really seek it out and it wasn't readily available in the parish we were in. But now that we're in a parish where there is uh, adoration more available, you really do wonder how we how we missed out on that. So I, I love the the connection you make to to adoration there. One other thing that occurs to me uh, on this particular item, the the shoes of the gospel of peace. This is we're talking about a battle, um, and obviously when you go to battle, you need footwear. You're marching. Yeah, the the shoes, the the footwear enables you to march and. And the fact that it's tied with the gospel of peace, we are marching in in God's army. His, his message, his gospel is a gospel of peace. And if even though we're going into battle, the intention is to, to be spreading a peaceful message, then that's the side we want to be marching on, which is why it's a, a really good connection to actually make with our footwear. So... So that's that's the the gospel of peace and and having footwear shoes of the gospel of peace that that Saint Paul mentions. Uh, we move on to item number four, and that is the shield of faith. And so, obviously, in in battle, you need a shield to to deflect the 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 blows or the arrows or the swords. So, the shield of faith. Why has faith been attributed to the shield? Yeah. So um, when it comes, again, like the shield blocks us or protects us, that's what our faith does, you know, because there's so many things in the culture that are counter to faith, right? For example, even the question mark about what it means to be a man and what it means to be a woman. I mean, that's pretty obvious. Right? God, God made them in Genesis 1, male and female, he created them, right? There, there are certain specific characteristics, attributes to maleness, mm -hmm. and there are specific complementary um, uh, attributes to, to women in their femininity. Mm -hmm. And those gifts complement each other. 
right? And it's because of that complementarity. It's because of precisely because of the of their differences that they're able to have that they're able to have unity, right? Uh, but and the culture says, well, no, that doesn't what it means to be male and female. Um, I decide what it means. I, I may wake up one day and I'm like, you know, I feel like a girl today. You know, I I don't even know what that I don't even know what it is like to to feel like a girl as a, as a as a man, but Again, we have people that are confused. We live in a world that's very confused, that's very broken. People that that may be transgendered or same-sex attracted, we we love them with the love of of Christ. Um, we we are to uh, really respect them and to uh, try to understand, you know, what they may be going through. But that doesn't change the objective truth that whatever actions they may engage in. Are, are gravely sinful. So we always love them. We always accept them fully as people made in God's image and likeness. So we 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 focus and accept them, but not always the actions that someone may do. You know, so the shield of faith blocks and protects us against the attacks against our faith from the culture. Uh -huh. And to me, one of the greatest ways that we can hold that shield up is the blessed virgin Mary. I think Satan hates Mary just as much as he hates Jesus. <laughs> right? Because she, she where, where he fooled our first parents into moving away from God's will, Mary said yes. Even though she didn't fully understand the implications of that yes, and even though she was warned through the prophecy of Simeon, a sword shall pierce your own soul. So the thoughts of many hearts may be laid there, which of course was the crucifixion, you know, that that we talk about being covered with Mary's mantle, right? Mm -hmm. and, and what does a mother do? Sometimes in a car, you know, if the if she has to break, you know, so, uh, uh, another car jumps out in front, what does she do instinctively? She puts her arm across yeah. to protect her child, Yes. right? So, yep. so that's the shield. The Blessed Virgin Mary is the mother shielding us and protecting us and guarding our faith against the the lies of the culture and, and as it's been said if you don't stand for something you fall for anything for, and, yes and so when well when the yeah. culture throws these things at us that so many people have fallen for it is that faith that that it's a little bit like our moral compass our faith is no 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 that's something i need to deflect that's not something i want to absorb and and so we can actually have this bounce off us and, and stand true and 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 another example of that you mentioned before the the COVID pandemic, that that people I, I don't know how people with no faith navigated that, and and unfortunately, the reality is suicides went up significantly in that period of the eighteen months, two years worth of uncertainty and and fear, as you rightly you rightly mentioned, and so people didn't cope with it very well. And I really strongly believe that it is my faith and my family's faith and, and the fact that we had that to share, that, that we navigated through that the way we did. Even when churches were being closed left, right and centre for who knows what reason, I mean, they'll, they'll tell you what the reasons were, but, but whether you believe the reasons or not, well, that, that's, once again, that's a whole other podcast. But, but in a time where there was so much fear, there was so much uncertainty, it is faith that was getting people through that. And I would I would suggest that it's a lack of faith in 
society in the world that was leading to this despair in people, this this complete, I, I don't know what you'd call it, but this despair that led them to to feeling like they needed to to end all of this because they just had nothing to to believe in. They had nothing to, another word you used, hope. They had nothing to hope for and, and they didn't see any other way out. So that's why we desperately need that shield so that we have that moral compass. We can see, no, that's not something, as I said, that I want to absorb. That's something I want to deflect and actually keep away. So yeah, once again, another essential piece of our spiritual armor is the shield of faith. Uh, and that's next, why, that's why yeah. I mean, that's why Perusia is so important. Right. Yes. I mean, you know, to provide tools to 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 uh, to help us, especially with this next one coming up. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is where, where really I think Perusia plays a huge role um, uh, for not just for people in Australia, but for people around the world. Absolutely. And, and this next one is the helmet of salvation. Obviously, the helmet protects the head. And, you know, the head, that's where our brain, that's where our mind, that's where our our thinking and and basically everything that controls our actions comes from from our head and our thoughts and our our um our, our brain processing so the helmet of salvation why the helmet of salvation how does salvation tie into this right so um salvation obviously is uh being saved in and through our lord and savior jesus christ but we what paul talks about coming to the knowledge of truth uh-huh. right so it's it, it's 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 intellectually accepting the objective reality and the facts about jesus and who he was and what he did but it's also the heart so it's it's a, it's it's the intellect and the will yes. and the heart so it's it's both and so the helmet of salvation protects if we have the breastplate that protects the heart we need something to protect the head and that's what the the helmet does and and this is where we have to really educate ourselves about the faith mark you know many people will reject certain teachings and tenets of the catholic faith without fully understanding what they're rejecting they don't take the time to actually learn what the church actually teaches about things so for example contraception right oh oh, come on this is the 21st century the church needs to get caught up with the times i mean that's so archaic if people don't want to have a kid who who cares whether they use contraception or not? It doesn't matter what they do. I mean, they've got a kid right now. And so they, they rationalize it. They don't, they just say, well, I don't like the church's teaching on that. What does the church actually teach? You can't do contraception. Why? Um, I don't know. The church is stuck in the in the in the eighth century. That's not a reason why. Mm. You see, you actually don't know what the church actually teaches or why it teaches what it teaches. So take what we need to do is take the time to actually learn here's why the church teaches and if we open ourselves to the objective truth again we live in a culture and one of the things that are that's coming from the outside to attack us especially in our heads is is uh is trying to change our minds right it's uh, what this reminds me of is um mark when king nebuchadnezzar in the book of daniel he took the three young men right he took uh Oh, he took four, Hananiah, Azariah, Mishael, and Daniel. And what did he do? He tried to educate them in the way of the Chaldeans, the way of the pagans. See, what he was trying to do was brainwash them. You are no longer going to think like an Israelite. You are going to start to think like us, like the pagans. And what, how, what does that look like in our culture today, Mark? It's called the educational system. 
Yes. <laughs> right. So we we spend 12 years of having our kids brainwashed and deep and, and, and programmed. Right. So schools are not longer no longer teaching young people how to think. They're teaching them what to think. Yep. So they're programming these kids. So you know, that faith is worthless. Belief in God is useless. Just believe in nothing. And and you'll get every and, and you'll just get everything that you want. You don't need a God. You, you just need to be good. You know, it's like you don't need God. You need gravity, as as someone told me the other day. You know, uh, I think they spelled. He said what he said exactly. Mark was. I think they spelled God wrong. <laughs> God is really spelled G R A V I T Y. That gravity. I'm like, are you nuts right now? Right. I mean, but 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 that's where we are. I mean, yeah. we're our young people being deprogrammed. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly what it is. It, so we have to protect the head with the beauty and truth of the faith, and that's where Perusia comes in. The, the resources, the, the educational programs, the podcasts, Perusia Academy, everything that's being done there is helping to inform uh, the faith so we have we can protect that mind against the onslaught of subjective relativistic truth, which turns which also returns, if we let that sink in, it turns our hearts away from God as well as our minds. We have to protect ourselves against that. I think back to when I was going through schooling and, and we would learn the, the catechism, just the question and answer style. Who is God? Why was I created? All of these things. But they were very simplistic. And I think over the generations, we got stuck at that point. We knew what the church taught, but no one ever actually thought or, or bothered to go beyond. When I say no one, I mean, generally speaking, obviously people have done it, but the question, okay, now I know what it teaches. I want to understand how it gets to that. We don't really, and until we do that asking that powerful question why, we don't really know anything because knowing what is is having a piece of information with no context, isn't it? The context is the why. So they, they have to go together or or the knowing just the what. It really is an irrelevant piece of information, wouldn't you say? Oh, abs- absolutely. Absolutely. There's, there's no, there's no question about it. Um, you know, the, 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 the beautiful thing about, um, our faith is that it's based on Jesus Christ, who is truth himself. Right. And it's about, so that means it's about relationship. And that's the piece that I see that we continually miss. We talk about, here's what the church teaches, which is great. But ultimately, all of that is supposed to point toward deep, intimate, personal relationship with Jesus Christ, who is God. Sure. And and somehow, we we have all the peripheral stuff, but we miss the piece about relationship. I think that's what causes the disconnect with young people. Mm-hmm. They think their church is rules, laws, commandments, moral codes, but we never help them to see that it's about relationship and everybody wants to be in relationship. We're created to be relational beings. God himself exists in a relationship uh, in the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit uh, of love, perfect and complete love, life, and communion. And he wants to share that life with us. You know, so we we, we can't get away from the, because what does the culture want to do, Mark? Worship the Trinity of me, myself, and I. Yep. Right. 
and, and, and so we we can't we can't lose that dynamic. And uh, so this particular attribute that Saint Paul talks about, uh, uh, you know, putting on the helmet of salvation, that knowledge of who God is, how He informs my life leads me ultimately to salvation because I choose to follow Jesus. I choose the way of salvation. Uh, I, I choose to accept the teachings of Jesus Christ because they are true, good, and beautiful. And yes, they're difficult. And that, and again, you talk about Mark, which you so beautifully said before about picking up your cross and following Jesus, right? Jesus went to Calvary, which is really hard, but that wasn't the end. Heaven was the end. Eternal life with God is the end. That's the ultimate goal and purpose of our entire life. Union and oneness with God. And protecting our, our head um, helps us to lead us on that path of salvation. Absolutely. That's that's definitely something to hope and strive for. And and yeah, that, that, that piece of armor, that helmet of salvation, we have to protect our intellect. We have to value this God-given intellect and, and actually utilize it. It's, it's, it's just like anything. If you, if you don't use it, you lose it. And like, like you're talking about fitness and we talk about um, strength, you know, as we get older, if, if we work out less or we don't uh, apply skills that we've learned, we lose our fitness. We lose our abilities because we're actually not keeping that, um, keeping that activity up. We're not maintaining the muscle. We're not remembering the procedures, whatever you want to apply it to, if we're not using our intellect, we're not protecting and valuing our intellect, then we might as well not have it because it's it's kind yeah. of wasted space then, isn't it? So so that's that helmet. That helmet is there to, to protect our head, to protect our intellect, to keep us switched on to to what we need, what God's given us to to keep us on this path to to eternity with him. Uh, and then we move from this helmet of salvation to the sword, uh, the weapon, the sword of the spirit. Uh, so the sword of the spirit is, it's its the only offense, uh, the offensive, the weapon listed, and everything else is the armor. But this is the actual weapon. Now we relate that to the scriptures, do we not? And and, and why is that? Yeah, so we relate to this, the, the scriptures, Um because it's very interesting, a book of Revelation, and and also in uh, what's the, some of the, Ezekiel, it, it has these really um, kind of strange prophetic kind of images, right? It talks about um, the Son of Man who, who looks like he's on fire, and a sword is coming out of his mouth, right? The sword, because what is that? that's the sword of truth, because truth also divides. Right. And Jesus talks about this. He said, he, he, remember, he says, do you think I've come to bring peace? I've come to bring the sword. Right. And he goes father against son, mother against daughter, mother-in-law against daughter-in-law, father-in-law against son. I mean, it, why? Because the when we stand for the truth, because um, that's what's going to come back and cut through the um, the the insanity of the culture today. It's going to cut through the the relativism uh it's gonna it's gonna be truth it's truth that penetrates and that's why we have that's what catholic apologetics is for it's not a, apologizing about being catholic apologia is a greek or means to to defend right so so in order sometimes in order to defend we have to go on offense right so so when people confront us we just don't cower and just cave in 
we say, well, wait a minute. What about this? Right? Wait, wait a minute. How about thinking about it this way? So we need to, we need to come back with the sword of what? The sword of God's truth. Right. So and and let's be let's be real. I think as a church, we need to go on offense a little more, you know, because what happens like with in the United States here with the issue when marriage was was being debated and, and the Supreme our, our Supreme Court had to make a decision about marriage uh -huh. or, or about gender and all these things The what it, we often don't say very much, Mark. You don't hear homilies about this. You don't hear the bishops coming together as a group and saying, here's how Catholics should be thinking about this. What happens is we, we really say or don't do very much. Then a decision happens or a law is passed and then we all get upset and then they issue all these statements after the fact. Yes, too late. Too late. It's yeah. too late. We need to have the sword of the spirit. Remember, God gave us his Holy Spirit at Pentecost. He gave us the Holy Spirit at baptism. He gave us the Holy Spirit in confirmation. He changes bread and wine into God to strengthen and nurture us so we can go out there and be Eucharist to the world. And sometimes that means picking up the sword of truth and cutting against the culture. You know, I just saw two, not too long ago on, on YouTube, Lila Rose. Yes. You know, Lila, Lila Rose is the president of live action. You I know, actually, and, and I actually she, nearly I nearly mentioned this before with something you said. I thought we'll come back to it. So I'm glad you're bringing this up. So, so I know where you're going with this. So, yeah. Yeah. And, and she was on uh, Dr. Phil. I yep. don't know if you have that in Australia, but Dr. Phil. I think know, it's played a, as very, daytime television, but I, I'm not watching yes. television during the day. So I'm not sure. If right. It's still on, but. <laughs> yeah. It's 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 a basically a, a, a daytime television talk show. Yes. And he became famous because he was on Oprah Winfrey. Mm -hmm. he, like Oprah Winfrey, he was kind of Oprah Winfrey's kind of go-to guy, yep. but now he broke off and started his own show. Very popular here in the States. So Lila Rose went on there with people from Planned Parenthood, with a very hostile crowd that was very pro-choice and all this. And she's, oh, oh my goodness, her poise. First of all, she's beautiful, um, which, which helps, I think, because I think people will be attracted to what she's saying because she's attractive. I'm not, again, I'm not saying that's, I mean, I think it helps. It's not necessary, but it helps. Mm -hmm. I think it helps draw you into what she's saying. And even when she got attacked, she got yelled at by people in the crowd. Um, she kept her poise. She made some very salient and very wonderful points. She, she made people think it wasn't just about the emotion that she was getting, this emotional response. She actually had people thinking. And I was like, wow, what an incredible approach to, to and she didn't talk once about Catholic this or Catholic that. Uh -huh. She talked about the truth of what, it, what a child is in the womb. It's actually a person. It was so well done and so brilliant. The way she, I said, we... We need to do more of that as a church. She wasn't afraid to go into that lion's den. Yeah. She knew she was going to be facing hostility. And yet she still, just like the martyrs, right? The martyrs knew they were going to be killed for preaching Jesus Christ. And they did it anyway. Yes. They weren't afraid because they knew God, like David against Goliath. David knew that God fights with and for him. That's why he was able to stand up to Goliath. Yeah. And, and with Lila Rose's appearance on Dr. Phil, it was something that I noticed in her approach was every time she was challenged uh, and when, you know, a couple of the audience members or, or someone else there actually 
rose in objection to what she'd said, her initial response was that of empathy. Like, I'm yes. sorry you feel that. I'm sorry you've gone through that. I'm sorry that this is a battle in your life. I'm sorry that this is your circumstance. And that was always what she led with. So she didn't dismiss their concerns. And I think that was that was something we all need to learn. Whether we think what something is saying is completely false or not, they're feeling that. This is what they think. And we need to empathize with them. We need to validate that this is their point of view. This is their perspective and actually accept that so they don't feel like we're ignoring. And once they have yeah. that empathy, that then opens up the discussion and they're going to be more receptive to what your response is. They're going to be more receptive to Lila Rose in that position when she is just sitting there preaching the truth because she has communicated that she understands what they've said, that she feels the pain that they're feeling in some of those circumstances, but now consider this as an antidote to that pain. And just the way she did that, I thought it was brilliant. Now, she's yeah. she's probably going to look back as probably what we all do when we, when we have a, a tense interaction with someone. The first thing we do is we walk away and we think, I wish I hadn't have said that. I wish I'd said that differently. So she's probably going to do that. And there probably are things that she can learn from that interaction as well. But as you said, the fact was her courage, she went into the den of the lions there because she had something. She had the weapon. She had the truth. And whether people there in the audience or the presenters or the other panelists or even the, the camera star, the cameraman and all these people, whether or not they're going to admit it when they're there in their crowd, they will still have heard that. They will still go back and reflect on that. Just the fact that she was there with that courage is straight away a victory to some extent. And so I think, and the reason I... I'm glad you brought this up is because I think we need to learn from this. This is a perfect example of the spiritual battle in practice. Yeah. And so yeah. I'm glad that we- And that's the sword, got, right? That's it. She, she didn't just- This is her weapon. Just put back, right. So she right. has used the all these was, other bits yes. of armament in her preparation for that battle. She's put that on. She's yes. put this on. She's got that on. Now she's got her weapon and she's going to use it. And she wasn't right. trying to strike them down and destroy them. She was trying yes. to save them. And this is, I think, a great thing. We've gone through all the items now that this sword of the spirit is the final one of the items. This is a great place to actually bring this example in is because this, as I said, is this whole spiritual battle in practice. They see her as yeah. some crazy Catholic, religious, zealot, whatever they see her as. But from the perspective of the truth, this is a perfect demonstration of this whole thing in practice. And I really think for those who haven't seen it, and I might try and get in the, in the show notes, put a link to the, some of the clips from this particular interview to actually see, as you said, her poise and her empathy and just her courage and ability because she has prepared herself for that battle to actually then swing the sword. And then we'll see what comes of that. Like I said, it won't happen instantly. People have to go away and think now and reflect. But, yeah, that's a really powerful witness to exactly what we've been talking about this whole time. And and why, you know, and, and this brings up a, a question. Why don't more of us want to do that? I mean, and because it's scary knowing that you are walking into a situation where you're going to be maligned and hated and yelled at and screamed at. 
and you still do it anyway because the, I, I, no, you know who does this? Not from a faith perspective, Sam Harris, the atheist. Yep. He'll go into any church. He don't care what congregation. He'll just he'll go into that church knowing that every single person there is a, a believer in Jesus Christ, and he will be there defending atheism. Mm-hmm. What? How come we don't go into those kind of environments conversely, right? Mm-hmm. And say, I'm going to walk into this uh, conference or walk into this situation knowing that I'm the only one that believes that Jesus is real, that that faith and the supernatural is real. All these other people are atheists or agnostics. They don't care. They're relativists. And I have to try to defend Jesus. You know, no one wants to do it because it's scary. Yeah. See, and and that's where the, that's where all the other pieces come into play, right? The, the helmet of salvation, learning about our faith, uh, adoration, the blessed mother, trying to put all that together so that you're, so that when you present it, it's not, remember, it, it's not you because it's, it's Christ speaking through you, uh-huh. right? It, 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 so you're, you're creating a situation with all the pieces of the armor so that, remember, God is fighting with and for you. So you are not alone. It may feel like you're alone, like physically, you're by yourself in this situation, but God is with you. But if you, the more you open yourself to, to his love, to his truth, to his will, to the grace of the sacraments, the more you'll be able to do exactly what Lila Rose did with such poise and yeah. such grace and such professionalism. She represented herself and the church so very well. And more of us need to do that. Absolutely. And 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 like in, in Bible times, King David the same. I mean, this little yes. kid with this giant Goliath in front of him, but he was the Lord soldier and, and he had faith and he was prepared for battle and he came out on top of And he the- had no armor. Yes. He had a slingshot yep. and some rocks. That, yep. <laughs> right. But exactly. he was able to defeat the enemy because he was confident yes. in God's uh, love and presence. And that's him. it. You said he had no armor. He didn't have physical armor. He had the spiritual armament. Spiritual that, armor. There you that's go. Saint that's Paul right. Is now talking about. So I think this is a good wake up right. call to all of us. This is something that we're all called to do. And if we look yeah. back through our lives, we have all had opportunities to, to stand up and fight this battle. And we can actually now look back and think, did I, or did I avoid it? If I avoided it, why did I avoid it? And what do I need to do now to make sure that when the opportunity comes again, and it will, that I'm prepared, that I've, I've, I've put on this armor, I've got my weapon, and I'm prepared to fight for the Lord. So, so yeah, like I say, I think this is a really good wake-up call. It's always relevant, it would seem, around us in the culture these days that, that these battles are going to be there. So, so Deacon, I could sit and listen to you talk for hours. I, a lot of the time when we have these discussions, I just sit back and I'm just letting it wash over me. So... Um, it's really good having you here and, and having your wisdom and your thought on this. So thank you once again for your time this week. Yeah, most welcome, Mark. It's always a, a great honor and, and privilege to be with you and with the Perusia family. Yeah, thank you so much. You're a very valued member of the Perusia family, and, and we very much uh, appreciate your input and your friendship. For anyone wanting to know more about Deacon Harold, you can go to his website, deaconharold.com. You can see a list of any upcoming events. He's also got an online store there where you can purchase resources. And basically just check out all things in, in Deacon Harold world over there. And uh, if for anyone wanting to, to keep track of Perusia, go to perusiamedia.com. And once again, all the, the events down here in Australia, you can visit our store, you can look at our blogs and, and our other podcasts in the Perusia Podcast Network. 
But that's all we have time for today on Speaking with Deacon. Thank you so much for listening and we look forward to being with you next time around. God bless.